When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the program, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. As the COVID-19 restrictions continue, and some will be gradually eased, we again emphasise the key points in relation to guidelines and how they're impacting the sector, and we'll update any changes about to take place. Irish Farmers Journal commissioned an exclusive economic report to assess the impact of COVID-19 on Irish farm incomes. We heard about the findings and the hit that agriculture might have to take. A new and innovative digital platform is available to take the stress and hassle out of switching energy providers. We hear how farm businesses can benefit and become more energy efficient. The National Ploughing Championships, as we know it, has gone for this year in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. But there's been good news stories in relation to farmers' markets due to return from the 18th of May and McCroom-based Toonsbridge Dairies open an outlet in Dublin while their online business has seen a huge increase. The silage season is upon us. In some cases, machinery is already in the fields. Matthew Ryan of Tagus joins us to look at key issues in relation to grassland management and silage cutting. Also, Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at some of the stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. It emerged in the past week that farmers will be able to apply for a new €2 billion COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme. It will support lending to small and medium enterprises, which includes farmers, for terms ranging from three months to six years, which will be well below market interest rates. Farm Talk's John O'Connor has more details. Interest payments on the COVID-19 credit guarantee scheme will be under prevailing market rates. The new €2 billion COVID-19 credit scheme should provide qualifying farmers with funding in the range of €10,000 up to €1 million, with a maximum of up to six years' repayment term. Some of the loans could have a three-month term. No part of the €2 billion fund would be ring-fenced for any particular business sector. The COVID-19 Credit Guarantee Scheme is tailored to provide loans to SMEs, small and medium businesses, and will be open to farmers and to fishermen. During the current unprecedented crisis, it's recognised by the government that farmers will need access to working capital in addition to cash flow to pay agri-merchants and cooperative bills. Co-ops and agri-merchants, for their part, will also benefit from the cash flow to the system. IFA Farm Business Chair... Rose Mary McDonough has welcomed the decision by the central bank to allow commercial banks and asset finance houses to extend the COVID-19 loan capital and interest repayment breaks to six months. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. 
Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, said he welcomes the announcement of the expanded credit guarantee scheme to ensure our primary producers would be included, which they will. Cash flow and liquidity is a key issue right along the food chain and the scheme will give confidence to all businesses that assistance will be available when required, said the Minister. The IFAs again moved to clarify the criteria around those entitled to the COVID-19 pandemic unemployment payment. It's available to farmers who have ceased trading, for example, being unable to sell or buy animals, crops or other produce. Part-time farmers who lost off-farm employment also qualify. IFA President Tim Cullinan has some more details for Farm Talk. We lobbied Minister um, Regina Doherty on that. We were excluded at the start, but we got farmers included in that. And the criteria is uh, if you do not sell any livestock for a six-week period, or if you have if you have lost a part-time job, well, then you're clearly entitled to it. It's very straightforward, Barry, and that is there and available. And John, if any farmer has any queries around that, we have set up a COVID hub. And if a farmer just goes www.ifa.ie, go into the COVID hub, and they'll see the relevant people are in there to deal with that. And of course, you've had the helpline in place since the onset of this crisis, Tim. How busy has that been? What sort of response have you been getting? Absolutely. It's been very, very busy, Barry. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's great. Like we set up that uh, hope early in the time. And, you know, the traffic through there is, 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 is enormous, actually. You know, it, it, it's ongoing every day. Because people obviously are concerned and worried. And, you know, we are ensuring that we have people at the back of that uh, every day of the week, you know, this farmers can get uh, information readily. And of course, just while, while I'm on there, Barry, I think, you know, I think, first of all, I think it's important that we do remember the, the frontline people in the health service, the excellent job they're doing. But look, also in food production, or right from our own farmers, so they've continued to work through this crisis, and lorry drivers, and, you know, collecting milk and delivering feed and fertiliser, and, and all the people that are working in the processing industry, in the dairy, in, in, in the meat processing. So I think it's important to remember all of those people as well because so they are an essential part of producing good quality food. And if there was ever a time that good quality food was needed so in a time of crisis like this, it's absolutely essential. So and we've seen at the start of this how vulnerable the, flu, the food supply chain is a disruption for a few days and you could see that there would be no food in supermarkets. You know, that's how vulnerable it is. So it's important that we all keep that in sight as well. Tim Cullinan, president of the IFA. It has been clarified deliveries of concrete for essential minor works on farms, such as the pouring of concrete for silage pits, is permitted and is part of the essential business of farming at this time of the year. In accordance with the public health advice, premises must not be open to the public and the services should be provided for essential works only. In all cases, plans should be in place for all essential workers to carry out their work while observing two-metre physical distancing and all other relevant HSC advice. And of course, the farming organisations maintaining the COVID-19 advice based on the measures which have been outlined by the government. Agriculture still deemed an essential service and exempt from the directive to stay at home. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine has a telephone helpline to assist farmers with their queries in relation to current COVID-19 restrictions. That number is 076 106 4468 and open from 9.30am to 12.30pm and 2pm to 5pm Monday to Friday. In addition, the department also published a set of frequently asked questions on coronavirus COVID-19 in their section of the department's website. Tagusk also has a helpline for farmers. That number 076 111 
3533 during office hours. And the website tagus.ie, also a prime source of information on the full range of issues facing farm businesses. This year's National Ploughing Trade Exhibition has been cancelled, but it is still hoped to run ploughing competitions. Europe's biggest outdoor event was due to take place in County Carlow from September 15th to 17th. Organisers say they still hope there'll be an opportunity to run the ploughing competitions behind closed gates. The loss to the economy reported to be around €45 million. Euro. NPA's Anna-Marie McHugh shared their disappointment with Farm Talk. It is for ourselves, but we're just the organisers of it, you know, for the, for, the, for the general public who needed the lift like the board and for the exhibitors. And this is a huge thing for exhibitors uh, that have done so badly with business this year to think that, um, that this option has gone for them as well. You know, we're very, very conscious of that because, you know, the economic impact of the ploughing is huge and, and um, obviously tourism in Carlo as well and Kenny and that whole region. This is about health and safety and we could talk about social distancing and talk about reduced numbers, but you're still, you know, the, you still have the potential of, of maybe maybe being the cause of a second wave of, of, of this virus and, and that's not something that the NPA never, ever would want to take responsibility for. Anna-Marie McHugh of the National Ploughing Association. The date for next year's Dublin Horse Show has been confirmed after the 2020 renewal was cancelled. Instead of early August, the event will take place from August 18th to facilitate horses and riders competing in the Olympic Games, which has been moved to next year. But on a brighter note, farmers' markets will be allowed to resume after the next round of COVID-19 restrictions are lifted on the 18th of May. Issues around social distancing and other health guidelines will need to be addressed. But Cork County Councillor John Paul O'Shea is confident the sector will meet the criteria needed to reopen. It is indeed very welcome to news that the farmers' markets will reopen uh, across County Cork post-May the 18th. In the first phase of the reopening of the country uh, post-COVID-19, farmers' markets are very, very uh, popular uh, events and I think they're very worthwhile events uh, for producers and customers alike. And I'm sure physical and social distancing will be of high priority uh, in all the farmers' markets right across County Cork. Farm Talk on C103. We continue on Farm Talk this week with a statement from the IFA National Livestock Chairman Brendan Golden who said cattle prices are rising on the back of tighter supplies and stronger market demand across the EU. The reopening of burger and manufacturing outlets and an increase in live exports are combining to lift the trade. Brenda Golden also said this week that farmers selling cattle should ensure their payment is secure. IFA policy is to insist on payment on the day or ensure that you're selling through an outlet where payment is guaranteed or secure. Marts are operating under COVID-19 restrictions and there's more activity on private farm-to-farm sales as well as increased live exports. While Marts are not operating as normal, they are providing a valuable service to farmers in most parts of the country. Co-ops are being urged to look beyond the easy target of milk prices with IFA National Dairy Chair Tom Phelan saying it's unacceptable that farmers are taking the full brunt of the COVID crisis. Co-ops should carry out a root and brand examination of all costs of doing business. Energy costs are well down and will reduce the cost of collecting and processing milk in the coming months. Motor diesel prices are also down, crude oil quotes have plummeted and future market quotes also suggest low oil and gas prices well into 2021. Mr Phelan said farmers are looking at all costs to protect their own businesses from COVID-19 and co-ops must do the same. Which brings us to the exclusive economic report in this week's Irish Farmers' Journal. At the end of April, the Irish Farmers' Journal commissioned UCD Professor of Agriculture and Food Economics, Michael Wallace, to assess the economic impact of COVID-19 on Irish farm incomes. 
His detailed findings show the pandemic will deliver the biggest ever income hit on the sector. Farm Talk's John O'Connor has the details. The COVID-19 pandemic could hit Irish farm incomes by between 600 million euro and a billion euro. An analysis carried out by UCD Professor of Agriculture and Food Economics, Michael Wallace for the Irish Farmers Journal, dated 9th of May 2020, shows that income on farms could fall by 570 million euro or 990 million euro, depending on how prices move. Journal News Editor Ms Katrina Morrissey points out that beef prices to farmers have fallen by up to 17%, while dairy commodity prices have fallen by as much as 21% since Europe went into lockdown. Under Professor Wallace's moderate forecast, in which prices would remain similar to current levels, the average 78-cow dairy farmer would lose €24,000 or 37% of his or her income for the year. An average 23-cow suckler farmer would lose €2,300, or 26% of his income or her income, while beef finishers would lose €3,000 each, or 19% of their annual income. The journal report of 9th of May 2020 points out that the danger for farmers is that the recovery from the coronavirus lockdown will be slow and lingering. Such a scenario, the journal points out, would see the impact on farm incomes rise to €1 billion. However, there are early signs that as countries emerge from lockdown, demand for beef and dairy products is starting to recover. Beef prices rose by 10 cents a kg to 20 cents a kg this week. European dairy prices also rose, while Chinese activity saw the GDT auction results steadied. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. Professor Michael Wallace outlined the most likely scenarios that he sees over the coming months. For dairy farms, we're talking about a, a loss in farm income of about a third or slightly more than a third. And for beef farms, it's a reduction in farm income of about a quarter. Uh, now, for, for beef farms, don't forget we've been in a critical situation already. That, that culminated, those, that situation culminated in the beef protests last year, and those issues haven't been resolved. So it's compounding an already very difficult situation. We've already observed, particularly from the, as a result of the lockdowns and the impacts of the closure of what we call the food service channel, hotels and restaurants and so forth, uh, a huge loss of demand by the sector, both in the home market and export markets. And that has resulted in already sharp reductions in prices of agricultural products at the farm gate level. Professor Michael Wallace, Professor of Agriculture and Food Economics at UCD. The Irish Farmers Journal commissioned the report from him. Katrina Morrissey, the news editor of the Irish Farmers Journal, discussed more on the findings with Farm Talk. Under what Professor Wallace of UCD describes as the moderate scenario, we're looking at um, almost 600 million. That's between the, the cut to beef prices and the commodity dairy prices that we've already seen. And in a more severe scenario, up to 1 billion euro. Now, Professor Wallace does say that he believes it's it's more likely to be the moderate scenario than the severe scenario, but I don't think anybody would um, would say that's a small amount at all. And would the impact be felt right across all the agriculture sectors, Katrina? Yeah, I suppose the fallout will be um, will be felt by everybody. But for this particular study, what Professor Wallace looked at was um, the beef price hit that has already taken place and projected that out um, from the first of April to the end of the year. 
And uh, for a typical 23-cow suckler herd, you're looking at a loss of around 26% of their income. And for a beef finisher, you're looking at about 19% of their annual income. And then on the dairy side of things, he looked at the falls that have already taken place on the, the dairy commodity side and again protected them out. And under the moderate scenario, we're looking at about 37% of income for a, a dairy person, a dairy farmer with about 78, 80 cows. And that's €24,000 when you translate it. And aside from the pandemic at all, it hasn't been a great year, particularly in, in terms of prices for beef. Milk, we're hearing now as well. So, I mean, this is on top of what's already been a difficult time. It is. It's a projection forward, I suppose, of where we are at the minute. Now, in this week's Farmers Journal, there are signs of of, um, some green shoots there, which will be good news for farmers. Um, Chinese buyers are back in the market looking for for dairy commodity ingredients. And we also have a a small lift in the beef prices. And I suppose the opening or the, the, the planned reopening of McDonald's and the reopening of Supermax is, is generating a bit of demand there for beef, which will be particularly helpful on the cow side, but, but hopefully will filter through to all beef prices. And of course, the marts are still closed there to come back into operation uh, in another phase or two of the government's roadmap. How important and key would that be, Katrina, you know, in getting the, the, the sector up and running again? Yeah, I think very important. Look, animals are being sold, but I think at a far lower level than they would be if the marts were open. And and also there's a kind of a morale side to it. If the marts were able to open, albeit with the social distancing rules, I think it would be good for everybody. Um, there, the marts will be closed, you know, the bones of two months by the time 8th of June rolls around. That's the peak uh, trading time for the year. There'll be between 400,000 and, and maybe up to 500,000 animals generally sold through marts in that period. So it's, it's kind of a surreal year um, to, to not have that general trade happening. But of course, everything about the coronavirus is surreal. And we've been hearing then of these supports such as the EU funding, government-led initiatives. How far do you think that these can go in mitigating maybe the worst effects of what is a global pandemic? Yeah, you'd be hoping, I suppose the idea is to stimulate all of the economy and, and that two billion credit fund farmers are eligible for it. We're waiting for more details um, to to nail down the nitty-gritty of it. But I think anything that will help farmers with cash flow will definitely be a positive. Katrina Morrissey there, news editor of the Irish Farmers Journal. Well, farmers received up to €123 million in social welfare payments last year. Over 9,100 people were paid the money under the Farm Assist or Rural Social Schemes. Reporter Owen Murphy has more on that story. Farm Assist is a means-tested payment for low-income farmers paid by the Department of Social Protection. The maximum weekly rate is €203. Last year, 5,971 farmers across the country received the payment, coming to nearly €69 million. The highest amount of farmers were in Donegal at 1,045, followed by Mayo, Galway, Kerry, Cork and Monaghan. The Rural Social Scheme is a different social welfare payment made to farmers and fishermen. Its minimum weekly amount is €225.50. Last year, 3,169 fishermen and farmers got this payment, totalling nearly €55 million. Euro. The highest amounts were in Mayo and Galway. The total amounts across the two schemes are almost identical to the previous year. Owen Murphy there reporting. 
The silage season is upon us and there's some cutting already underway. It's our topic this week with West Cork-based Chagask advisor Matthew Ryan. And I began by asking him about weather conditions and what key things we're looking for in relation to grassland management. The, the weather has been variable, to say the least, over the last few days. You know, if we look back at growth rates over the last few weeks up until last weekend, you know, they seem to have been steadily improving across the country. You know, overall, over the last two weeks, up until the start of this week, you know, the growth rates have hovered around the low to mid-60s, if you work off pasture-based figures for, for the Munster area. However, as we all know, the, the cold, wet weather during the early part of this week will lower growth rates a small bit, but once the weather improves again, the, the growth rate will quickly bounce back as we're in that high growth uh, phase of the year as, as the grass is in that reproductive state. Um, as always, you know, it's critical to keep a very sharp eye on grass supply, but also critically at this time of the year, grass quality. As cows and, and, and the dairy herds out there are milking very well at this time of the year, and we'd like to hold this performance for as long as possible, so that grass quality is key in achieving that. Uh, the key tips I'd have for farmers in relation to grassland management for this time of the year would be, you know, it's kind of the same as always, you know, you've got to walk the farm weekly, you've got to get out and walk these fields if you want to make the correct decision. The, the grass supply and quality situation differs on every single farm, you know. Uh, you won't know how much grass you have on your farm until you walk your own farm. And I'm sure that all your listeners know all too well that at this time of the year, the grass situation at farm level can change a lot over the course of the week as we have those high growth capacities on farms when the weather picks up again. When you walk your farm, you know, have a good estimate as to what covers on the paddock. You know, have a good look at the, the grass quality. Have a look to see, look, is it good enough to graze or is it not? Should I sip it? Should I not? Uh, have a close look at the next few paddocks that you plan on grazing. You know, are they a little bit light or are they starting to get a little bit too strong and you know we have to keep a very very sharp eye on that and earmark paddock for bales if needs be also be aware that you know grass if the covers are let go too strong can go to a slight bit of stem over the coming weeks as we're, we're in that reproductive phase which will hit the quality of the grass and potentially how performance you know what would be the correct cover to go into it's kind of the same as always it's a 1400 kilo of the dry matter which is you know, nice, short, sweet grass, which is, if you're measuring using fistfuls of grass on top of each other, it's three fistfuls of grass. Uh, so three fists on top of each other will be equivalent to, you know, 1,400 kilos of dry matter. As important as it is to go into the correct paddock covers, it's equally important to clean out those paddocks correctly. So you'd like to get them down to four centimeter cleanouts, and if your cleanouts aren't at four centimeters, you know, have a close look as to why, you know, why, why the, the, the cows aren't grazing down to where four centimeter mark is. Um, also, we should be on a 19 to 21 day rota- rotation and we should be you know, trying to put a farm cover uh, on the farm at the moment or cover for livestock unit or days ahead, you know, whichever one you're most comfortable with using to try and help us identify any signs of an early surplus or a deficit develop in that farm level. And that will give the farmers you know, plenty of time to react to what they see, which will hopefully uh, prevent a small issue in terms of surplus or deficit developing from turning into a big problem. And last but not least, you know, We've got to be very careful if we take uh, bales out for paddocks. Remember, we're, we're, we're taking off a lot of P and K when we take off those bales. So a simple rule of thumb is for if you take off four bales to the acre, you need to go back onto that field and put back on about a thousand gallons to the acre in terms of, of P and K or a bag of 0730. We've seen some activity in the fields. 
farmers will be considering, you know, should they cut? And if they are thinking of cutting paddocks, you know, what are they looking for, essentially? You know, first and foremost, if you're thinking of taking out a paddock for bales, you need to assess the farm grass supply situation before you think about cutting anything. You know, each situation is different. Walk before you cut and plan the week ahead. Um, you know, if you think that you have too much grass on your farm and you're considering taking out paddocks for bales, remember, only take out enough to correct the situation. You don't want to solve one issue and create another. And, you know, bear in mind, will you have enough of grass for the cows if you take out those paddocks? So you'd have to check that. Um, are the regrowths on the paddocks you previously grazed, are they on track to allow you to take out those paddocks? You know, will you be going into the correct covers in a week, week and a half time if you take out those paddocks or will the covers be too light? Have a quick look at the weather forecast for the week. You know, try and make a guess as best you can. You know, will the growth weights be higher or lower than what they actually are? And when will your next window be to take out those paddocks? Because it's young leafy grass. It needs to get a good wilt if you want to get a good preservation on it as well when you cut it. And, and you know, remember, most farmers at this time of the year will have 30, 40% of the farm area typically closed up for the first cut. And it'll be a while after the first cut is cut before you'll have enough of grass on those paddocks again to graze. So you've got to be careful with the decision that you make. And at this time of the year, you know, that the stocking rates are high, the demand for grass is high, and, you know, it can put, if the growth rates aren't where they need to be, it can put an awful lot of pressure on the grass supply situation, and especially if you take out too many paddocks for bales. Of course, one of the key points is to know what, what is enough grass. So ideally, in terms of figures, you don't want the cover per cow to drop below 160 to 170 kilos of dry matter or cow or you know, equivocal to 10 days grass ahead, as you know, it's a little too tight for comfort. Vice versa, you know, you don't want the cover for cow to go over 190 kilos of dry matter or 13 days plus grass ahead. You know, as swars might start getting a little too strong and stemmy and the quality will drop, which would, could reduce um, animal performance. And we'll have more on silage with Matthew in a short while. Farm Talk on C103. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We continue this week's Farm Talk with more from Tagusk advisor Matthew Ryan 
We're discussing silage and with the long winter and challenging conditions this spring still fresh in farmers' minds, how can they maximise silage production on their farm this year? The winter just gone was a bit of a challenge to say the least, you know, which put a, a bit of pressure on feed supplies on some farms, you know, but, but not all farms. The one thing that did pop up a lot when speaking to farmers this spring was silage quality more so than quantity for the coming silage season in the next few weeks. And look, it goes without saying that it is important to have enough of silage on the farm going into the coming winter, but we must ensure that we have enough of the correct type of silage we need for our stock to meet their nutrition requirements. Like The importance of having enough top-quality, highly digestible silage on the farm for the shoulders of the years or bad weather events like we had this spring became really evident this spring because in some cases there was plenty of silage on farms but not enough high-quality silage to maintain productivity. Um, when it comes to fertilising silage fields to get the most out of them, remember, you know, that the, the fertiliser requirement, the fertiliser advice is hugely, hugely variable for each field because it's based on, on the soil test results. You know, each field, soil type, cropping history, fertiliser history, lime history will have a huge effect on the pH, P and K indexes of those fields, which in turn will have a big effect on, on crop yield. If we take a look at an index tree field for P and K, you know, you're typically looking between 90 to 100 units of nitrogen to the acre, 16 units of P to the acre, 100 units of K to the acre when you combine the organic and chemical fertilizer, which is more than enough for a field that's at index three for P and K to get a good crop yield off it. You know, you've got to feed the crop if you want it to perform, otherwise it just cannot perform. And remember, if you go with 3,000 gallons to the acre on an index three field for P and K, a good tick slurry, you will have missed. P&K requirements and all you have to do is top it up with, with nitrogen and a bit of sulfur. Um, if you don't know what the soil fertility is, it's safe to just assume index three and get it tested later in the year. And, you know, soil testing on a silage field is always money well spent. Because um, a lot of the time, the difference between a good crop and a great crop can be identifying fields that are slipping to index two early and addressing it with appropriate fertilizer rates before it becomes a real issue in terms of yield loss. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, if if you want to get the most out of your field, the absolute maximum, you're nearly going to have to tailor the, the fertilizer advice for each silage field based on the soil test result. And in some cases, you know, silage crops are not cut in time to, to maximize quality as people might let them grow for a week or so longer than planned as they might be a little bit on the light side as the soil fertility is holding that crop yield back a bit. You know, and this kind of has to be addressed going forward if, if we really want to improve silage quality but also yield on our own farms. Do you look at quantity or do you look at quality? And what advice would you have and tips on this matter? Yeah, so first things first, you have to ask yourself two questions, two key questions. You know, what is this crop going to be used for? And secondly, how much of this type of silage will you need on your own farm? You need to answer those two questions first to get the correct answer. So my advice would be look at the sand and crop two weeks or a week before you plan on cutting it and think to yourself, you know, is a silage crop going to be used for dry cows, milking cows, growing, weaning heifers, or finishing cattle or fattening cows? And, you know, to keep it simple so you don't have lots of different types of silages in the yard, you know, break your requirements into two simple categories. You know, like a dry cow feed for a dairy farmer, you're typically, a cow's a good condition, you're looking at 68 DMD, which is silage that's typically cut around the 1st of June, or that very slightly. Or, on the other hand, the, the second uh, type of silage we kind of need is between 72 73 dmd and above so that type of silage will be good enough 
for, for growing weanings or spring calving cows for a bit of buffer feeding uh, during, during bad weather. And, you know, remember that the stage of maturity at cutting is absolutely everything if you're trying to get a specific silage quality. You know, you must keep an eye on the signs of the seed heads starting to emerge if you're serious about making good quality silage. You know, like as, as the, the seed head begins to, to barely emerge, the digestibility of that crop significantly starts to drop. And it can be a, from 0.5 of a unit per day up to, in some cases, depending on the conditions, nearly a unit a day. So to put that in perspective, like if you had, a, for within one week, if you have a, a promising standing silage crop that could be hovering around 73, 74 DMD with absolutely little to no sign of, of a seed head, it could drop within a week if the conditions are there down to 68, 69 DMD. Like a super crop that could potentially be used for buffer feeding, um, spring milking cows or in wet weather, can quickly turn into just an average crop, which is realistically only good enough for feeding dry cows that have a good body condition score. So the the cutting date and timing is everything, and it can make the difference between having to feed a lot of concentrate to you know hold performance or, or feeding a small amount of concentrate to hold performance. Matthew Ryan, Tagusk Advisor, West Cork. Next, we hear of a new and innovative digital platform built to take the stress and hassle out of switching energy providers. We're specifically interested in the deal for farmers and farm businesses. So I'm talking to Brendan Halpin, founder and chief executive of WeSwitchU.ie, the letter U. So it's, it's an online platform built to take stress and hassle of switching and saving on, uh, on electricity bills. So it's particularly, um, I suppose, for your listeners who are farmers, um, basically, so they can, it's a simple sign up, they register uh, their details, and basically what we do then is we organise the switch on their behalf. We give them their menu of options, I suppose, for which supplier they should go to. And as I say, we do the switch and we take care of the, the switch process for them. Now, it's not too technical a process, is it, Brendan? No, I'll tell you, uh, like anything, you, you want to make it as, as simple as possible because, as I say, electricity bills in themselves can be quite complicated with a lot of jargon on them, right? So the sign-up process, is um, is easy enough, I suppose. Literally, all you need to sign up is is a copy of of a bill. I suppose you need your um, IBAN details for your direct debit, and you need your meter details. Farmers, then, how can they benefit by moving to We Switch You? A good question, Barry. And the key point is that the market itself for electricity is um, that there's ten suppliers in the market, so there's great choice. So the way the, the market actually works is the uh, electricity suppliers, they target new customers. So basically, the uh, suppliers, they, they get discounted rates on the unit price of electricity for 12 months. After that period, the price then goes back to its standard price, which is the highest rate. And if a farmer doesn't engage with that market, then they will be placed on the highest rate and they'll be paying the highest uh, price for their electricity so what we switch you do is we find you the best we find the farmer the best power for their particular farm and we'll repeat that switch process then when the contract actually comes to an end so the one thing that people find about switching is that especially for farmers who are very who are very very busy people and there's lots of things actually happening on a farm what we do is we take the stress and hassle out of that so people farmers don't have to spend hours on comparison websites calling up energy companies 
filling out forms with the same details to actually engage. So with We Switch U, you sign up once, you, you register your details, we'll organize your switch, and I'll say 12 months down the line, when your discounts are coming to an end, we'll repeat that process and, as I say, take the stress and hassle out of it for farmers. So, Brendan, could you give us a typical example then of the savings that, say, your dairy farmer might expect to make by moving to We Switch U? One example is, I'd say, a dairy farmer in, in Cork. I, and basically, his farm meter spend would have been circa 8500 So we switched him to a new energy provider, and he basically he'll save uh, 2600 on that bill. We also, at the same time, switched his home meter. So his spend on that was 1000 We switched, and he saved 400 on that. So for, for the click of a button for two meters, he saved 3000 so that money actually goes straight to the farmer's bottom line. Um, so it is, it is very significant. So what I would say is if your bill, uh, your farm meter especially, is in the thousands, then the savings are actually in the thousands as well. And I suppose so that they can find out a little bit more about it, Brendan. Where can they contact you? The website is www.weswitchu.ie. Um, all, I'd say all you need is to create an account. So you need an email address. Uh, uh, the one thing is you can do it on your smartphone, you can do it on your computer or tablet. Um, the other thing that I, I, I know for farmers uh, is that if it is, the, the sign-up process is, uh, is easy enough, but if they have any questions or anything, that basically there is a web chat button on the website so they can uh, contact me via that, or they can actually, there's another button where they can schedule uh, an energy assessment on their bills, which generally takes about 15 minutes. So I will get, be able to get all their details. I will direct them on where to go and what their options are, and we can get the switch done in that time. One key point, Barry, uh, that I really want to, to, to get out to, to your listeners and, and the farmers especially is if you haven't switched in the last 12 months, then sign up to We Switch You, and you will save significant money for your farm and home electricity bills. And the last key point is the service is free. Delighted to get as many people up on the platform as possible. That's Brendan Halpin, founder and chief executive of WeSwitchU.ie. Farm Talk on C103. The Department of Agriculture issued a reminder to farmers this week about the May 15th deadline for online submissions of BPS and BEEPS applications. Matthew Ryan of Tagish explains a little bit more. You know, the, the BPS, as I'm sure everybody you know, is, is familiar with this stage and most people have it done. But just for those who don't have it done, the BPS deadline is the 15th of May. So make sure you have your application completed in advance of the deadline. And remember, if you're transferring entitlements, just make sure that's done before the 15th of May. For the suckler farmers, remember the BEEP scheme deadline is the 15th of May. So that's the BEEP scheme deadline. The application deadline is the 15th of May if, if you're applying online. So if you need help with that, con- you know, contact your local advisor or consultant. For anybody who has no stock currently and is looking to purchase stock now to qualify for the area of natural constraint payment by meeting the minimum stock and rate requirements, remember that in order to qualify for seven consecutive months, you need to have stock in your herd before the end of May at the very latest if you've nothing there at the moment. Matthew Ryan of Tagusk. Next, McCroom-based Toonsbridge Dairy have decided to move some of their operations to Dublin. The business felt it needed to diversify and will be bringing fresh produce from rural mid-Cork to the capital. Toby Simmons spoke to Patricia Messenger on C103's Cork Today show about their new venture. We are 
cheese making and we particularly make mozzarella. Um, we make buffalo and we work with sheep's milk, but a lot of cow's milk and we do have a pizzeria in Toonsbridge. And then our other business, our original business is in the market in Cork with the, with the real olive company and the sandwich stall. And we do olives and all the Mediterranean foods as well. Now, up to the opening of the shop in Dublin, how had COVID-19 been affecting your business? We went from literally one week, we made three tonnes of cheese and the following week, we made 300 kilos of cheese. And we are so based, like we don't do the multiples, and we are so based on food service and particularly, and it just hit us with things. So we sort of reeled and actually things have come back a little bit. There's quite a few on Woodfire Pizzeria is beginning to do takeaway and stuff again and kind of had this conversation with my sister-in-law um, and she has a shop in she has two shops in Dublin and her trade was based on coffees and sandwiches and takeaway you know the, the lunch trade and so on which has completely died for her so the, the conversation we'd already had before Christmas as well like could we do something in that shop and then it, it took 10 days from Yep, let's do it to buying a fridge in Kerry and just turning the shop over with a you know a couple of tradesmen came in and turned it into the shop. And you opened on Saturday? Yep. <laughs> a bit of pressure, but, how, how did it go? Uh, great, really great. And um, it just a tiny bit of social media seemed to have gone wild and lots of, lots of people turned up. I think we reckon 15% of our customers... And a McCroom connection, which was quite funny as well. Kind of funny, all these McCroom people go, oh, it's like food from home. <laughs> and, and with more people being allowed out more and the two kilometres gone to five kilometres, I mean, hopefully there'll be more people passing the shop will realise you're there and pop in. Oh, absolutely. And there, I mean, there was people, a lot of people had, you see, there's a, I think there's a bit of confusion on the two kilometres anyway, because if you're going... Shopping. You, if you're going shopping, it's not two kilometres. You're right, you're right, yeah. And yeah. I, particularly where we live in um, in Chiquila Parish, if you were limited to shopping in two kilometres, you'd starve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, ha- you have to get out and about. You're still, are you still selling online though? The outside food market got closed down, and in a way, you know, when you've got a huge amount of space in a market, I think it's a lot safer than being in a supermarket. But they closed them down. I think there's a lot of talk they're coming back in May. So what's still the gap is a huge online food business and it's, it's been quite interesting for us actually it's been very successful but there's been a lot of teething problems and a lot of issues like the couriers are run off their feet so we've yeah. had things got lost in transit quite often and stuff but it is it's potentially a really good business for us as well and the best of luck to Toby Simmons of the McCroom based Toonsbridge Dairy with their new operations in Dublin and yes the farmers markets will be back when restrictions are eased after the 18th of May Ireland's first dedicated horse trails to be developed in West Cork. The much-anticipated Bearer Bridleway has been completed with the assistance of Cork County Council. The project, to be managed by Bearer Tourism, will allow visitors take in the stunning landscape of the Bearer Peninsula on horseback. The trail covers 17 kilometres of rugged mountainside from Castle Tumber to Allahies, straddling the borders of both Cork and Kerry. It also takes in spectacular seascapes with unrivaled views of the West Cork Islands. The Bearer Bridal Way officially opens later in the year and more details available at bearerbridalway.com. Well, some sports industries have their remit around an agricultural base. Horseport Ireland said the industry is prepared and ready to be among the first to resume in limited fashion. Public health threats would be addressed in a largely outdoor sport that doesn't attract large spectatorship. 
or Sport Ireland highlighting the elements in the sector, such as breeders, producers and athletes. And they want to have access to regulated activity to ensure the timely production of horses in the crucial stages of training and development. It's an industry worth over €816 million annually to the Irish economy and directly supports over 14,000 jobs. Show jumping, of course, a key element of many of the agricultural shows up and down the country, which sadly have been badly affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Your Greyhound Track offered a lifeline after an independent assessment of issues arising from the report on the long-term sustainability of the industry. The East Cork facility, one of a number which had been earmarked for closure under the review, after the assessment, an opportunity to be provided to Yall and Ennis Scorthy for a fixed period of time to address challenges and issues identified and for key performance measures to be set. Management at both tracks have been contacted with a view to engaging with the Irish Greyhound Board and the matter is to be further considered by the Board at its July meeting. Again, like horses, the greyhound industry also well embedded in the agri-sector. Thanks to John O'Connor for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thanks for listening. Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs.